2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 270 of the More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Olympus Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we also have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Remember, I was always complaining about the amount of space on my hard drive, right? So, so I finally bit the bullet last weekend and I said, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, I erased my, I basically cloned my drive to make a backup of it. And then I wiped the, wiped the computer and I and stuck in Mojave fresh from the App Store kind of thing, like just a fresh install. And then I did the migration thing to move my accounts back over, right? And I made note of all the sort of things that, that are extraneous to like a regular Mac account. Cause I run servers on my, my Macs and all kinds of stuff like that for development. And so I, I basically, you know, and I only, Inst- and then, I, but I didn't. Inst- I didn't migrate the apps over because they seem to take a lot of space. So I've only because oh, I was carrying around apps from like five, six, seven years ago, right? And including things like Xcode and Photoshop and whatever, right? So um, I just went in and uh, and uh, I only I handpicked the ones that I'm I'm kind of working with now, and all the sort of you know the SQL stuff and the stuff for looking at core data, all all that kind of crap. You know, the disk recovery stuff. I didn't put that in, and I saved myself a hundred gigabytes of space on my drive. Wow. Yeah. However, I edited a video last week for. For spotcast and now I'm back down to 33 megabytes. <laughs> Wait, megabytes? <laughs> no, giga- gigabytes. Gigabyte. Yeah, yeah, gigabytes. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, the, the thing about this is like it's like w- like there's all this caching that these apps do now, and they, and it's all these secret hidden files that you can't really see, right? And uh, yeah, I, I had a problem with Catalina when I was running beta because at one point I looked at the drive and it had like you know 10 10 gigabytes of space left. It was like a little 256 gig, gig drive, right? And uh, and then I looked at it like 10 minutes later and it was like you know okay, there's eight gigabytes left, and then, then there was like five gigabytes left, and there was like three gigabytes I'm like, what the heck is going on? Because and I'm trashing stuff. I'm like dragging stuff to the trash and imaging trash, and the Finder never updates what's been trashed. And it's because I think that, like, I think that the when you when it starts to do a Time Machine backup, when it, it does all this sort of caching stuff in the background that you don't see. And Catalina and Mojave and and High Sierra are have been horrible. I'm sure it's APFS, right? Have been horrible about actually reporting in real time how much space you have on your drive. Somebody actually said to me the other day, it's almost like you have to make a, a write a dummy file to it just to to prove to the Mac that it can purge it or, you know, attempt to create a dummy, large file to it so that the Mac will purge the space because it doesn't like, it's like the finder's kind of hanging onto it or Mm -hmm. or not if it's a finder, the file system is, you know?
0: Memory leak. I don't know if you guys have
2: noticed any weirdness like that.
0: No, I haven't, I haven't noticed it, but I haven't done anything like that.
2: Yeah. Are you running still Mojave or? I'm still
0: in Mojave. Yeah. 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 Because I realized that, so, so I basically, I don't really play computer games, but there's like one or two games that I have, I've had on my computer for years that I like to play every once in a while. Yeah and they won't run on Catalina. I found out. Oh yeah, because yeah, they, yeah, they were never. I mean, that's how old they are. They were never built for 64-bit. Yeah, yeah. So I'm sort of trying to decide whether I'm ready to give up on those games from 10 years. Well, ago. this is the
2: same thing. Like, like I have. I I got the subscribed to the to the Photoshop CC. I found a way to get it for less money than, than just getting a Photoshop subscription. Um, basically, what it was is I, I bought a hard drive and it came with with a copy of um or like a, a license code for uh, what do they call Lightroom? I think there, is there their photo editing app yeah and the lightroom comes with a license of phot- Photoshop included as part of the subscription so I subscribe to that I think it's like 14 dollars a month which is like five or six dollars cheaper than Photoshop right and yeah so that's what I use and and um but I'd, I'd found out that I still have cs6 on my on my my uh, mojave Mac right and you know it it there are some weird UI glitches and things don't save properly and you know you kind of work around those sort of things because I mean we've been having bugs in Adobe software since Adobe was first created right Right. That's not, not unusual. And um, but what I found out is, is that on Catalina, CSX won't won't even open. right Same with uh, the old Microsoft Office, like the was it 2011, which a lot of people still have that one. That won't run. On, probably like, 32 Catalina bit. Either. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Anything yeah. that has any part of it that's 32 bit will, will not run like you just get you get the do not enter sign on it. Right. And Apple's been warning us about this. Right. Yep. So, yeah, so that's to the day. I mean, that happened on the iPhones, too. Like, they just, like, I have a lot of apps on, I had a lot of apps on my phones that would just like you to open them, and they go, this hasn't been updated, sorry, you know, it'd link you to the App Store, but there's, like, of course, no update there to grab. So, yeah. So the trials and tribulations of Tim not, not having enough to space continue, which is why I can't believe when people buy like Max with 256 gigs of space on them, like like you're going to be sorry in like a week.
0: Well, unless you're just using it for email and web browsing.
2: Yeah, but as soon as you do anything like video editing or Photoshop or whatever, anything that oh. uses caching on, your, on the drive. Yeah, not, everybody, and- not everybody does that, though. No, but I also think, I also think that that time machine is, is a culprit too, because I think what it does is, you know, it, it does an incremental backup, but yep. where does it put the files that it's going to, that it's planning to back, like when it says preparing for backup, yeah. I think it makes a copy of, of whatever it's going to back up so that when it goes to write it, it's got, it's more efficient. Oh, right? for
0: sure. It's, a, it's at least compressing the files somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, so, it has so to save all I've
0: got files, and then, and yeah,
2: that the question is,
0: does it is it good about freeing that stuff up, or does it forget to free some stuff up?
2: Well, so, so I have two, I have two schemes here for for backing it because I back up to two separate drives because I don't believe any one backup is, is enough, right? So I have two Time Machine uh, network drives that I, I write to, and occasionally they'll say to me, you know, oh, backup failed, which means that one of the two backups failed. So I'm thinking that what happens is is it makes this this compressed archive, right, that's ready to back up, and then. The backup fails. So what does it do with the back with the, the compressed archive it's made? It hangs onto it for the next time it's going to try and run, right? Wouldn't you think? Maybe, yeah. That's an example, or the, or this containers uh, scheme that that uh, apps use to to um, you know like like I run BBEdit all the time, and I very rarely hit even save files. I mean, it's, I do save files, but I mean they're like I use it as a scratch pad for code and things like that, right? And I just open it back up again, and all those files that I left open open it back up again because they're in they're in the containers, right? Mm-hmm. You remember when they added? I think it was right. Uh, I think, what was it, Yosemite, that they added um, the container scheme? As sort of a you know, that was a. I think Forestall was still around when they did the, the. He talked about them automatically backing up your files. Remember I that? feel like it might have been Lion, um, or or Snow Leopard, yeah. Or I feel right? like, yeah, it yeah, was yeah around that as well, yeah. Well, Forestall was around in 2014. So I, think?
0: I remember a lot of people really didn't like that because, yeah, saving would well, you couldn't, you couldn't, uh, you couldn't really make a copy of well, you, you had to make a copy of things, or, or yeah. what, what am I what am I thinking? Of? Yeah, so it was, yeah, so what people used to do was. You'd open something, you'd start editing it, and then save a copy of it. Right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the old flow, and then with this, as soon as you started editing, it was it was essentially saved in your original file.
2: Oh yeah, yeah,
0: which was kind of crazy.
2: Yeah, but you have bazillion undos that way, though, right? That's true. That's true. I'm I'm a bazillion undoer. Yeah, yeah. That's what I like about Photoshop. I keep undoing until forever, right? And then I love I like running Git too, because I can almost just go and trash all my changes, right? Yeah. So I still have trouble with with the Xcode ten with the not remembering not not using the helper application because the helper application must be Git in this case, right? you see, you've moved on to 11, haven't you already?
0: I have, but what what's the issue you're talking
2: about? So what happens is is if I'm running Xcode for a while, and, and I always have a copy of it running somewhere, yeah. and I and I leave it for like 15, 20 minutes, an hour, let's say, right? Uh-huh. And I go back to the project, and I would, I'd make some more changes. Yeah. It doesn't update the fact that I've made the changes, right? And then when I try and do either version, like look at the version viewer, like the, what do you call it, version? Yeah, show version editor, so you get the two side-by-sides, and uh, it won't load the right-hand side so because it'll say, like, an error will come up saying, can't load helper application. Oh, really? And, I've never seen and, that. And, and none of my files in the, in the Project Navigator get marked as, as being, you know, either modified or new, right? Huh. Um, and the only way around that is to quit Xcode and reopen it, right? But of course, as soon as I quit Xcode, I lose all my undos, right? Yeah, it's just one of these weird little flaky things. And it's been a bug in, in uh, Xcode 10 and since the beta came out, right? So, huh. But apparently 11 fixes that. Um, all right. Yeah. So let's just dig in with some f- uh, follow-up here. Um, first thing was I, I saw this came out like, uh, of course, we took a week off last week, but this came out a couple of weeks ago that, uh, of course, this this month is Oktoberfest Ho- as uh, as uh, Jaime pointed out. And um, there's a link here which I'm waiting for it to load. For some reason, it's taking its time. Anyway, I'll just talk about it. There's a link here uh, posted by a gentleman whose name I can't read because it hasn't loaded yet. Is it loaded yet? No. What the hell's going on? that load for you guys yet? Yeah, it did. Okay. So you can tell me the guy's name. Uh, anyway, so this is a, a Vladimir Klemenko. Sorry, what's his name? Vladimir Klemenko. Klum- so Vladimir Klemenko. I think he's in Canada because he talks about Seneca College. But he participated in Octoberfest uh, last year, and so he's got a list of awesome projects for people to work on. If you're still looking, if you're coming into Octoberfest late and you want to uh, participate, he's got some uh, some projects you can look at to try and get your, your game on there. So Jaime, are you doing any Oktoberfest stuff at all? Or
1: yeah, it's going to have to be on my own. I'm nursing a cold, so I ended up having to miss uh, an event yesterday that would have been oh, really right. nice. I was, I was interested in seeing what Circle CI was all about and how they had their project set up, but I just didn't think it would be a good idea to go over there and you know, spread my illness to everybody. Spread
2: the love, yeah, right, yeah. Because well, so I'm I a little curious about it because I did sign up and and uh, you give them access to your your GitHub account, I guess, right, to see what you've committed. Is that the idea?
1: Yeah, it, it's like a like an OAuth two type connect, right? Where you're saying like I I allow it to to do certain things. In this case, it's the permissions probably sound a little scary. It's really hard. It's really just like read what's happening, um, and in this case, it would be uh, they want to see that you've committed pull requests, right? Oh, I see. Poll- yeah. Yeah,
2: because yeah. I actually was working on some code the other day, unrelated to this, and I, and I pushed it up to GitHub and just to see what would happen. But then I realized I went. If you go to the Hacktoberfest uh, site, they talk about uh, if you've never done any open source programming or um, contributing, to go. There's some examples of ex- things you can do to try it out. But uh, which I, I'm going to have to go back and look at that if there's something I can jump in on.
1: Yeah, and just to clarify, because it might be confusing folks. For one, you do have to sign up through that uh, Hacktoberfest site; otherwise, it's it's not going to count. Um, and you also have to do pull requests. So if you're just, you know, doing commits to a branch or, you know, um, pushing directly to master, like that's, that's not going to count. It's definitely in the pull request sort of format. Cause that's pretty much what just about every major open source project uses as a, right, right. as a, a, you know, a sane way of handling changes coming from disparate sources.
2: I mean, it's very similar to like how you'd work on a large team if you're working in a large team, but it's kind of interesting, uh, interesting thing. So it's funny, uh, one of one of the uh, backup scripts I use on my um, on my websites. There was a um, gentleman who used to work at Rockspace. I don't know if he's still there anymore, but uh, he wrote a backup script that we use, and uh, it stopped working when they upgraded to the environment to PHP seven. So I went in and fixed it and made a pull request <laughs> and posted it. But I haven't, uh, you know, it's still sitting there waiting for for uh, someone to approve. But but I guess with with my pull request there, people could see what the changes I made were and and uh, make their own changes, right, so, to get their scripts working. Alrighty, uh, this is another older link uh, too that I posted here. From we we're talking about uh, the uh, the checksum or checkmate uh, exploit that was uh, a jailbreaking um, uh, exploit that somebody discovered here. And it's interesting because it, there's a bit more detail in this particular posting here. If you're if you're curious, um, what's interesting about this is that it attacks the iOS boot ROM, which is like a read-only portion of the operating system. And um, so that's why they're saying it's not patchable by Apple because you know they can't change the boot ROMs, right? Um, so it's interesting here, This a uh, gentleman named Axiom X, who, or Axiom 10, I don't know, X, you can never know when it's X or 10, if it's 10 or X, right? Um, talks about how he, hit, he uh, worked on, how he developed this, and um, there's a bit of a back and forth interview with these two guys from, from Ars Technica, Dan, Good, Good, Dan Dan Gooding from Ars Technica, Ars Technica and this Axiom X guy, uh, about uh, about how it works. So if you're curious about that, you can look at um, how this thing works. So I don't know if you guys have read the article. Yeah, I read it,
0: and uh, I guess I'm still not sure. Sure, why it's a game changer after reading the article. Yeah,
2: uh, no, and yeah, you have to have physical access to the device, right? You know, and it's, it's only in like,
0: memory; you can't persist any changes, right?
2: Uh, so I, I don't know. So yeah, you can unlock your phone for a minute, and then you reboot it, and it's no longer unlocked, right? Right. Yeah. Silly. Yeah. I don't know, but it, it's kind of funny how that. It's also how they write the headlines. The sort of as we call clickbaity headlines to make right. it sound a little bit more threatening than it really is, right? Right. right. You know. Yeah. Anyway, like it, we'll post it there in, in the show notes for people if they want to, if they're curious. Yep. Um, so we got another email from uh, Jerome Wells. Uh, he emailed us directly on our on our uh, web form, which proves we do read the email. By the way, uh, his Twitter handle is jrom, It's R O H M. J A I R R O H M, and he talks about. Uh, we were talking about fingers and the, the uh, holding up of fingers, and um, he said uh, in his email, "I'll read it to you." It says uh, uh, about fingers. I was I forget what movie it was. It was a World War movie from the sixties or seventies. A British spy was posing as a German officer and gave himself away by ordering two beers by holding up his index finger and middle fingers. In Germany, we count starting with the thumb. Wasn't that um, *Inglorious Bastards*? Yeah,
0: that was the same kind
2: of thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So there yeah, might have yeah, been an thing. earlier movie too. Maybe, maybe Quentin Tarantino stole it. Could be. Who knows? Could be. Yeah, but he does that, fiction. what do you call it, fictional literature where or historical fiction where it's, he retells the stories the way he wants them to end, right? So, well, thanks, for the, thanks for the email and uh, there's your shout-out. All right. Um, now, I think Jaime and I kind of argued about who was going to post this one first because I saw him tweeting about it on on Twitter, but I'm going to let him talk about because he's the original one who brought it to the show, but, but uh, Domino's.
1: Yeah, this is follow-up to that time we were talking about, the um, Domino's Pizza versus Uh, what's the individual's name? Uh, Guillermo Robles, a blind individual who was arguing that McDonald's, sorry, Domino's website needed to be uh, accessible to the visually impaired. And uh, I think we talked about it on that particular show, like, yeah, you know, um, it kind of seems like it does because everything's sort of moving online. And, and in my case, I've anecdotally, non-scientifically, noticed that the uh, the specials are different from the app and the website and calling and physically showing up at a store. So um, it's not a case of there being um, reasonable alternatives because you're really leaving people out um, by by not having an accessible site. Uh, and in this case, the the Supreme Court um, handed victory to to folks who uh, believe that things should be accessible. Uh, in this case, more specifically, handing the victory by declining to review the case, which meant that the lower court's ruling uh, stands within the United States. Hmm. So, um, I think the, the the sort of counterpoint that I've heard from folks is a not unreasonable, in my opinion, concern that there will be a lot of um, ambulance chaser type lawyers going around, yeah. like, ah, oh, look, haha, you haven't, you know, made this accessible, and now we're going to sue, and get tons of money. Like, I'm not going to deny that there will be, you know, pred- practices that we'll try to find ways to use this. But I think in general, this is a very good thing for the industry, for the community. And as I've mentioned several times on the show, I think the more we can do to do with the platforms, you know, um, you know, Apple, Google, Microsoft, and so forth, that they give you all of this stuff sort of out of the box for free, mm-hmm. like use that and you'll generally be in pretty good shape.
2: Right. But well, that said, sometimes you do have to go in and tweet the accessibility as well.
1: Yeah. Especially if you do anything custom. Custom, right? Like the stuff you get out of the box pretty much works, you know, pretty, pretty brilliant as is. If you've got this, you know, fancy custom widget, you're, you're going to have to uh, do some extra work for that.
2: Yeah, yeah. I I made one of my apps, an audio app. Um, I made it accessible a few years ago and I had to, I remember having to go in and make some specific tweaks to make sure it was understandable in terms of what it was doing. Right. Just so you know. Right. All right. Uh, and this, this one's under the category, one of Jaime's new famous categories is now how much would you pay? Uh, is it posted by my friend Chris Ragner on Twitter. Um and uh, he's the guy who got slapped with a fish or slapped with a fish and or RW counting I guess it is. Um but uh, yeah he's talked about given all the subscriptions that Apple is doing on iCloud, storage, music, Apple T V plus, archive, phone upgrade program. How much would you pay per year to get all the digital services, uh, so you'd have the current generation of iPhone, iPad, and Apple Watch? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure that I would want to have a one price for everything, <laughs> uh, but I think bundling would be a good idea. You know, so say yeah, three right, of them right. cost five dollars a piece. If Apple let you take, if you get any three you want for thirteen dollars, that would be kind of a nice thing.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this brings up to follow up on the arcade thing. I did. I did not renew my arcade trial, which just expired. Probably today, I think. So for those of you who want to follow up on Arcade, you're going to have to wait for Jaime to upgrade to iOS 13 to carry the torch.
1: I'm on iOS 13, but I'm waiting for <laughs> I'm waiting for that yeah. moment of like, all right, here are these games, or at least like one killer game that I just absolutely want to play, get my free yeah. trial, and then mm-hmm. from there it does end up being in a situation it's like, well, you know, yes, it's another subscription to manage, but I can just sort of turn it on and off whenever I want. Yeah.
2: Is that that's what you do with CBS, out? Access right? So.
1: Yeah, <laughs> in the uh, collect them all era that we're in, the Pokemon era of streaming services. Um, <laughs> I mean, un- unless you have like you know Taylor Swift money, like I don't think it's reasonable to have all of these subscriptions running at the same time. I think you're going to have mm-hmm. to pick and choose, which uh, to my mind means like as people are providing content, people are providing uh, software services at subscription. It means we have to find um, fight really hard for you know proving value. Um certainly I am looking at that myself of like, you know, what am I subscribing to as an example? I am on the looks like ninety-nine cents per month um iCloud storage plan, um, you know, for like two dollars more per month. Could go up to two hundred gig, but I'm I'm doing pretty good on my storage right now. I don't keep a lot of stuff mm-hmm. there. Um so I would be interested in seeing you know, to this example, um iCloud storage being rolled into some other um bundle because it it feels like a really high markup for you know, storage being effectively, you know, pennies, right? So, yeah, like, well, you know, you know. It, it,
0: it, it, since this is including a, a current generation phone, it really wouldn't hurt Apple at all to just, like, add $10 to the price of the phone and give you a year of cloud storage for, for quote, free. Mm,
1: true. Yeah, I mean... um if you're going to take those, you know, big, beautiful photos with the fancy pants, you know, trypophobic uh, lenses, it, those are going to be huge files, right? And why not just have people not even consider like, oh, you know, what am I going to do? Do I have to delete? I have to move it elsewhere? It's like, eh, let's just put it in iCloud. And it's, it's just there forever.
2: Um, well, I was, I was pushing up against the wall with my iCloud my account, and I, I realized that I was still carrying around a bunch of videos that I'd made at concerts and stuff like that, right? And so I just backed them up to it uh, and took them off iCloud and reduced my account size, right? So so videos take up a lot more space than photos. I've got photos going back. I think I have 16,000 photos on my phone. and uh, They don't take up much much space. And and even
1: just look at the the markup specific to iCloud. So in my case, 50 gigs, 99 cents a month. Now for five times that amount, you know, $5, I could get damn near anything I want on Apple Arcade or for $5 per month. So, you know, five times what the, the iCloud rate is you know we've we've sort of chuckled a little bit at like oh what's going to be there at launch for Apple TV Plus but guess what like I'm pretty sure that feels uh, whether it's right or not um, it might be illogical but it feels like Apple TV Plus is a much better value at five times the amount than the 99 cents per month 50 gigs iCloud storage hmm. just given like the fractional pennies it costs Apple to have that 50 gigs up there you know what I mean like it, it when I step back and think about it from a more logical perspective it's like well I'd rather not lose my data so yes please I guess I'll pay that,
2: but it it seems
1: more like, well, you know, the, It's like having, you know, paying for air in like a Spaceballs-esque sort of way.
2: Yeah, but it's the golden handcuff for sure, right? Like, you know, you you need it and you you have no choice but to pay it. Yeah, but like if they said, all
1: right, so um, uh, Apple TV Plus and um, Apple Arcade are, you know, independently, if you were to buy them separately, it'd be like $10 per month. But Mm tell you what, if you subscribe to both together, so not just one or the other, you subscribe to both, we'll get you the the same amount of iCloud. Cloud storage for free. I mean, it's effectively right. only like quote unquote a dollar savings in my part, but I'd be like, Oh, cool. That feels good. It was like, I should get it for free. And now I'm more inclined to continue to give them my, you know, $5 a month times two. And it doesn't feel like, Oh, you know, what am I have to pick and choose? It's like, Oh, it's kind of
0: all inclusive. Yeah. Cool. I'm just amused oh. to know that the, apparently the richest person that Jaime can think of off the top of his head is Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
1: <laughs> I try to use different ones. I use Kanye West and Justin Bieber and Kim Kardashian a lot. (laughs) My brain was struggling. I mean, do we want to go the the Bill Gates and Bezos route? that uh, Mexican dude who has that telecom who pops up to number one every once in a while, depending on how the market goes. Like, Yeah. yeah.
2: Well, I was, I was kind of wondering myself whether uh, Apple's actually using AWS for storage, right, like everybody else.
1: I, I'd have to imagine it's a mix. I, we, we've seen that they do use um, Azure-based stuff here and there. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised they have stuff in their own data centers. It's probably um, a mix depending on what they're trying to do.
2: Yeah. And you, you have to admit this is an iOS pro- podcast, and we, do, you know, Taylor Swift does come up a lot in our searches, too. Too, right or Google searches maybe Indeed. yours. <laughs> <laughs> What's
0: or that? So said, maybe yours. <laughs> yeah, she does. <did. laughs>
2: I don't know. Yeah, well, it's all those, those links I clicked on in the earlier episodes, right? Mark? Right.
1: Yeah, now yeah. we know why Tim suddenly, you know, has all this space. It's like, what you been
2: saving? <laughs> What's <laughs> taking yeah. up all the disk space? Yeah, shake it off, buddy. All right. Um, haters going to hate, man. Anyway, so uh, right. the next story is uh, kind of an evergreen story, but we'll talk about it anyway. Fr- so a friend of mine uh, runs a company called At Your Server. He's a um, Mac OS service guy. Uh, he actually does training. He's one of the trainers who teaches, you know, if you're doing the uh, certification courses. But his name is uh, is Zvon. Oh, we just call him Zvon. And uh, he's written an article here on what the T2 chip does for your Mac. It's more of a uh, informational thing for his his, uh, customers and things things like that and people who are curious. But it's an interesting uh, sort of take on, um, you know, everything you ever wanted to know about the uh, T2 chip but didn't know. Like, I don't know if you know about secure boot. You can actually turn on full security when you're booting. Um, You can, uh, using the T2 chip, you can block uh, people from you know, formatting the drive and running you know recovery on it. Um, you know, sort of, it securely boots the system up you know, using SIP and things like that. But One thing I didn't know uh, at the very bottom here, he's got a, a paragraph called mic drop. And and apparently, when the t when the Mac is locked by the T2 chip, the microphone is also locked. It's basically disconnected from the hardware. So when it's disabled, when the lid is closed, right? So you know the old stories about you know people spying on your Mac and stuff like that. The T2 chip is another level of of uh, protection. And of course, we talk about the t2 chip is in this real because it brought touch id to the mac right which is if you're a big user of one password like i am your touch having touch id on the mac is a is a godsend because otherwise you have to enter that password in all day long sort of thing right um yeah so interesting i don't know if you guys have read it but you know it talks about how crypto and uh, all the stuff works with ssd controllers and things like that so it's a short read probably like a five ten minute read mm-hmm. um if you're curious about uh, t2 nice. it's,
1: it's pretty interesting does it? Scanning here, really quick. So it doesn't impact the camera, because that would be like a next logical thing you would want. Right? Well, the
2: lids closed, so the camera is facing like the trackpad, right?
1: Uh, sure, um, but I'd also <laughs> wouldn't want the camera doing stuff while you know the, the device is locked, you know, and still what can open.
0: What could it do? Can it do? I oh know, yeah, so you, yeah. So Jaime, you, mean, you're saying it should it should do the next thing if the if the say a screensaver is showing, so you're right, locked, right. so you're so you're not actively using, it should turn off the microphone and the camera.
2: Yeah, and, that would be good.
1: As well yeah yeah you know i mean in my case I've, I've got an office area that's separate from my bedroom but you know not everybody does and if your laptop is facing toward your bed you wouldn't want people surreptitiously snooping on you not that i yeah. would you know in my office but uh, the risk level i think is different so if it's gone into screensaver or you know locked screen mode i sure would appreciate it also disabling the camera
2: mm-hmm. oh it's interesting here he's talking about how the uh, there's a couple of uh, the secure boot also also uh, enables uh, windows tend to work on the app bootcamp technology. That's one exception from that. Uh, which means, and you can't boot from uh, uh, Linux on uh, in bootcamp this, in this uh, case, right? So I was a little concerned about, you know, because it does real-time encryption of, of your data on the drive. Um, what happens if you have to swap the drive out into another machine? Is it like that phone, that famous San Bernardino phone, they couldn't get into because the, the guy had used Touch ID on his, uh, his drive on, on the phone?
1: Right, um, which, which got us into a really interesting discussion and it's it's still kind of unresolved, right? About um, encryption as both a, a factor for you know privacy um, mm-hmm. and the sort of balance with the rule of law. Um, I don't think. Well, we we, really... And
2: you and I also both had that experience when we migrated to iPhone X because um, I think we had turned encryption on on our backups and we tried to upgrade. We had trouble. Remember? Yeah,
1: <laughs> the uh, encryption was the so basically... good it kept me out of my own stuff, right? Yeah. So yeah.
2: yeah, so I had to do a backup with encryption turned off in order to load up my data on my new phone. Yeah, interesting. stuff. Anyway, just a quick little read there from Zvon on... um on the T2 chip. All right, so oh, last thing here I've got in the follow-up is is the old, we're going to go back to the mix panel. And when I posted this uh, chart, it was probably a week ago, I think. Um, that was when iOS 13 had just uh, was just catching up to iOS 12, but now it's well above, uh, at this point in time, as we record on uh, October 16th, uh, Mac adoption, iOS, iOS 13 adoption rate is at 57%, and iOS 12 is at 37%. So it's already in the time that we, took off last week we've um, iOS 13 has surpassed iOS 12 according to mixed panel
1: yeah if you if you bump it out um, 30 days to see when okay. iOS 13 came out you can sort of see what in my mind looks like people waiting for 13.1 so right it, it right. climbs up okay and it levels out around yeah. the 30th and then it like picks up as people are like yeah 13.1's good like <laughs> it fixes problems go get it And people pick it up in a more rapid clip
2: it's funny like uh, we're hearing um, a lot of people like like Mark are saying I don't want to upgrade to Catalina, or there's a lot of advice out there in articles saying don't upgrade to Catalina. Um, and then there's also people saying don't upgrade to iOS 13 necessarily, right? And it's so like you said, until you get 13.1, 13, right? Um, you know, but if you're going to work in, if you want to work with, you know, Swift UI and you want to have the canvas running on your Mac, you really don't have much choice, right? It's true.
1: It's, it's tough. So I've decided not to upgrade to Catalina yet. I'm waiting for at least one more uh, bug fix cycle so they can clean
2: up. Well, there holistic. is that trick I told you about. You can, have, you can create a separate... Another partition, an APFS partition on your drive. Install Catalina on that, and then you can option boot into Catalina. And you can you can. There's a way of telling your Mac to use the same home folder as your existing data now, so you don't have to worry about moving your your, your, your um, data around or, or duplicating it. And you can switch back and forth between Mojave and Catalina. So if you wanted to try out, you know, Swift UI with the you know the fancy new hotness, um, you can, right?
1: Yeah, fair fair point. In, in my case, um, I would like to use the new. Uh, uh, reminders set up but since that does yep. things in iCloud and it, it warns you pretty pretty nicely it says like yeah, by the way yeah. uh, you have to have all your devices updated otherwise bad things happen and I'm like oh well no, I'm updated true, to yeah, iOS yeah. 13 on my yeah. iPhone and my iPad but gonna have to wait for the new Reminders hotness until I'm ready to move to Catalina
2: that's true yeah you're right because I did, I did notice that when, like, I haven't I haven't pushed that button yet myself because I still have my other devices you know running various flavors of, of OS right? I think most of mine well no I got the one Mac is running uh, Mojave still so I'm still in, I'm in a wait and see on that one too because I haven't decided what to do about my, my Photoshop situation and stuff so you crossed out this one article here, Jaime?
1: Yeah, because I hadn't noticed the um, the article like right above. Technically not in the same section, so, you know, it's a little bit more separated, but in this case, The Verge is saying you're on 50% after three weeks. feel like the truth is somewhere in between. We're taking the best pulse. Uh, what do we say? 60% for mixed panel.
2: Oh, okay. This is yeah, yeah.
1: what's being Sweet. said here. I'm like, eh, you know, it's 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 pretty solidly okay. I mean, considering the, the scare that you see online, like, oh God, you know, 13 sucks. <laughs> Don't install yeah. it, for the love of God, Wait. at the very least, Um, Mm. for having a a sort of an active campaign against it is doing pretty good, which in this case, they're they're comparing to the continued sadness of um, Android version updates. Android 9 Pie, like here a year later, is on 10.4%. I mean, uh, we can talk about whether this is faster or slower for iOS 13 versus 12 versus 11, but really, I mean, after less than a month, half of all devices are already there. Like, it's hard to complain about that.
2: in half. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I find I find it's okay. I mean, I, I you know, I mind you, I've been using it for months because I, I've been using it since June on the beta, right? So, but yeah, it's uh, pretty good.
1: Yeah, there's you know, I, I think what it is is that there's a lot of tiny little rough edges around the operating yeah. system, and people's experiences with it will uh, vary based on do you happen to have a use case that hits the rough edge, right? Um, for most of the yeah. time, like I don't run into um, any of these sharp edges except for two that come up enough to to sort of bother me so one is um trying to open something from let's say like like an app you have uh, you're viewing content that's in safari view controller i'm like oh, i kind of want to open this in in you know real safari right yeah and do some other stuff you know maybe multitask or something um mm-hmm. i'd have to say it's like one third of the time it opens up a blank tab that says sorry this tab crashed <laughs> why really <laughs> you wow. had all the content just reloaded for god's sakes um mm. it, like enough that i'm like, what? In the world happening there. Like it, it, that's more of a minor irritant. The the one that has me uh, sometimes in, you know, a fit of rage is the mail app for iOS it is just awful at synchronizing now. Like it just doesn't understand um, how to synchronize differences between my iPad and my iPhone. And it's driving really? me bananas. Like 12, you know, was kind of sucky, but at least it worked, right? It, it was slow. It would take forever to sync, but it would just sort of quietly, um, solidly vanilla do its job. Uh, and in 13, it's like, what What happened? Did, did, did they rewrite it? Did they have the interns do it? Like, it sucks. Yeah. Like, I hate to call it out so much, but it was like, this is unacceptable. Like this.
2: Now, I, admit, I haven't really noticed too much problem with the syncing part, but what I think it's interesting that like, there is a cool little animation that the iPad does, where it it's kind of scrolls really quickly as it's, as it's syncing. Have you noticed that? There's like an animation that they've added to it? Just on the iPad. have right? a noticed iPad.
1: And And in this case, I tend to use a lot of uh, the, the syncing I'm talking about is largely around um, synchronizing of uh, starring or flagging. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, I know what you mean. Thing. Like, it's not necessarily like I'm seeing different um, different emails in one versus the other. At least it gets that. But the synchronization yeah. of the, you know, priority state, it, it's just like, you know, I'll triage a whole bunch of things on my iPhone, I'll go to my iPad. I'm like, why are these all still here? <laughs> they should be unflagged yeah. now.
2: That's well, so, what I mean. I, 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 my, maybe it's your mail server because I cause I don't I haven't noticed that. My big pr- Problems with with um, iOS 13 is I miss the force touch right. Mm-hmm. I, I you know got used to having that and text selection is still it's it's horrible. Yeah, like, I do a lot of copy and pasting. Right.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that as well.
2: And trying to get the cur- like I've I've discovered there's a shortcut in in if you have the the, tech, the keyboard open if you hold the space bar down you can you can navigate with the cursor right but you know I miss being able to put my finger on the screen and just sort of like you know put the cursor where I want it to go and then they took the little bubble out that shows you where you're putting your finger right um, which was nice but but now it's kind of like you put your finger down and, did I get it no got to put it down again no nope. did I get it no and then and then I go okay fine I'll use the space bar and already too many steps right so and I think copying copying and pasting is is sound- Sometimes not very intuitive. Like I'll copy something and I'll go to the other app to paste it, and it'll, it'll just paste in some blank space. You know, like mm. yeah, just annoying. And then that's sh- the the new action sheet thing that they've got in here. I don't know if you looked at. We talked about that last week, you and I, or two weeks ago, Mark, you and I. Um, it's 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 blown out of proportion. It's got too many things in there. I, I, maybe it's the shortcut people have got in there and thrown a whole bunch of things. It's like a you know, you go to the kitchen drawer and you open up the thing, you open the drawer, and there's like all this stuff, and you're just you can't find the thing you're looking for. That's how it feels, right? Yeah. Very disjointed
1: experience. You know, I, I had that feeling myself when I first started using it. I had yeah. an extreme like, oh, God, I look, I had the baby <laughs> bells over here and the Limburger was in that spot. Like I fully had yeah. a who moved my damn cheese moment, yeah. but in, in yeah. subsequent you know, weeks, I'm like, you know, it's, it's, it's different, but it's pretty good. I'm like, yeah, I do yeah. frequently send content to these folks. Um, you know, it's not an unreasonable thing to show the, not just, you know, uh, the messages app, you know, in general, but like message this person or this group of people. I'm like, yeah, yeah
2: that, that's just a short, that shortcut's nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and then, the sort of, you know, vertical scrolling stack of things like, you know, clips or sharing to Facebook or Twitter or something, like, or notes. I'm like, yeah, that's, that works pretty good too, because I never really found it too intuitive to move sort of left and right on these tiny little horizontal strips to try to get the other mm-hmm. app stuff. Mm-hmm. But it, it was just so jarringly different that it did have a, like, ugh moment in and, and subsequent weeks. I'm like, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty good. I like it.
2: Yeah, I mean, and there's like a ton of, like, I just, I just opened up a page in Safari. It depends on the app, though, because it changes context, right? But uh, you know, you got the copy thing; just, it just appears above the fold there, and then you've got you know reading lists and open and browser, depending on where you are, right? Um, and all these different things that you can you can sort of do with it, like print or markup, or it's just like again, it's like opening a big giant kitchen drawer of stuff. And I, I maybe mean, it'll take a while for us to get used to it. Or and sometimes I find I have to go and edit the apps that, are, that appear in that top the second row, right? Because the stuff I don't want is like a lot of times I'll post things to Twitter or Facebook, and yet yeah, they they don't seem to be options in a lot of these. Share sheets, right? So it's, it's just annoying, but but the tech selection. Don't get me started on that. that we'll have a whole show on tech selection on iOS 13. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on. Let's talk about this 14 year old designer guy who uh, managed to get himself into the arcade or apps that are being released. Right. So, did you guys have a look at this article?
1: I hadn't seen the article, but I had seen positive buzz for this um, operator
2: 41. Yeah, he's uh, he's like a, he's 14 now, but when he was 12 or, or younger, he won a bunch of contests in in, uh, in Britain it entered this uh, YGD, I guess a young game developer contest, Um, and he was one of the winners there. He also uh, got a scholarship to go to WWDC and hang out with, you know, other 350 other students um, or meet meet Mr. Cook and things. So he kind of had a leg up in that sense. But yeah, it's it's interesting to see that this Operate 41 uh, app, uh, by his name is Spruce Campbell, right? Is that Spruce? Um, Yeah. So interesting story there about a young guy.
1: Yeah. For those who uh, haven't seen this particular game it is uh similar in style to the who was it tim it was like Lara croft tomb raider go yeah um, yeah there's a hitman game that has a similar uh, actually there's a john wick game i think that came out that's similar ish hmm. where you're playing in a and in an isometric mode and it's sort of half action half puzzle game right it's probably yeah. the best way of describing it
2: your yeah, monument valley is like this too where you, you have like a grid and you kind of walk along the grid you, you tap where you want the guy to go and he goes there
1: right so there's there's some aspect of of timing but also uh it moves sort of slow enough to be strategy
2: and not just you know mash the buttons kind of, mm-hmm. of adventure mm-hmm. a little story have that in the show notes for people to have a look at. All right. It's all me. It's all me. So yeah, this is another, a couple of new things here. Um, uh, Spotify is now available um, on iOS 13. You can, you can ask Siri to hook up with Spotify. So uh, this is, there seems to be a lot of cross um, pollination, I guess you want to call it with between uh, apps these days. I've now got Apple or Apple music installed on my Alexa. Um, what do you call that? Go, um, Amazon echo. But mm-hmm. so now we can say, you know, play this on Apple music and, and it'll fire up Apple music as we, the default app we were using before was Spotify, right? But now you can you have access to your app. If you have an Apple Music subscription like we do, you can now play along with your, your content on your Alexa. But here, in this case here, it's uh, on the Apple side now that um, Spotify is available on iOS 13 through Siri. And Spotify is also coming out with an Apple TV app. So that's kind of cool. Now, how, how much would you pay, Jaime?
1: <laughs> Nothing, because I'm a free <laughs> Spotify user. Yeah, and Spotify I, is free. I honestly don't really use it because I, I pay money for Apple Music. Yeah. Getting, getting back to the bundling idea, right? Um, and it's interesting how all of these barriers are falling down as people are like, the only way we can make more money is to be on more platforms. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about this sort of thing. Um, I don't have any illusions that, uh, wow, wouldn't it be great if Apple had uh, the Messages app available and other platforms? Like, I'm sure it would, but I can't see them giving up that huge advantage. So I mm-hmm. think it will be a blended sort of answer for the, the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah. Well, so it's interesting on this, article that got posted from nine to five this article about uh, um, Spotify coming to was uh, working with Siri there's a video on the same page it says 200 plus iOS 13 features I didn't know there were 200 plus things that they've added to iOS 13 so we'll have to look at that another time that's cool yeah and I was, uh,
1: I was always sort of semi-suspicious that this wasn't available from the get-go it, it sort of felt like um not the most difficult technical problem compared to the other things that they enabled for for Siri like it was a play that thing, like you kind of have a hint there that it's music content or video content. And yes, you yeah. have to figure out what to do, but it's not like, oh, what did the user want? Did, did they want to turn on a bathroom light, you know, and, and have their garage door open at the same time? I mean, like that's that's a complicated thing, right? And right. Uh, things like, you know, you know, get me an Uber or a Rideshare or a Lyft or something to go from here to there. Like that all sounds wickedly complicated other than play. Cool. We've heard the word play, we know it's it's content. Awesome. Take the rest of the words that they say and just flip. And get into you know bing or google search or something and whatever comes up with the first result play that like it, it, it I, I have to joke it's obviously more complicated than that um sometimes it seems like it's not as complicated as that just seeing how siri will wildly misunderstand what i'm saying sometimes um <laughs> but it always did strike me as like this feels like a weirdo um business decision to maintain a competitive advantage and now uh, notably you know some amount of time after spotify is like hey governments they're looking at antitrust stuff go take a look at what apple's doing and how we can't integrate this way. And
2: right. Surprise, right.
1: surprise, this uh, this capability comes out. Not complaining yeah, about it being means, here, right. but just sort of being upfront with like I kind of wish this was there to begin with because it seemed like a really obvious thing of like I want to ask Siri, my assistant, to play content that I have available anywhere, right? Should be able to say, hey, you know, play you know Star Trek Discovery on CBS all access. Cool, go do it. You, you know how to do it. There's only a handful of those. It's uh it it, it just feels like the right thing. You know, if they're not going to do it themselves, at least make can get available for people to plug into that I think is the, the thing I wanted right either, either do it for us or, or give us the, the capability of doing it
0: I wonder if this was part of the, the agreement that Apple and Spotify must have made to make all those legal issues go away a few months back
1: <laughs> probably right. well, I legally, mean, cynically
2: yeah. it certainly feels like it yeah what legal issues were those
0: remember Spotify was suing Apple or oh, right. something over the right. over the uh, was it well, I, I, over the 30% thing
1: right oh, yeah. it was sort of oh, multi-fold, right. right it was like right. we don't want to pay this enormous cut because it puts us at a pricing disadvantage to your apple music as an example but in addition we also can't add features that your own software can do right
0: right Mm -hmm. so it's sort of what that all sort of went away uh kind of quietly i think or maybe i just didn't notice it didn't hear about it went away but but it's it's certainly possible that apple and spotify just made a deal uh to you know to just put the issues behind them and and one of the things in the deal was that apple opened this up
2: so i'm curious can you ask siri to play something on youtube i don't think that would i don't know work as well well actually i wonder if it would that that would require a handshake with google wouldn't it well the apple tv you know there's a youtube app for that right so yeah
1: sure it could hypothetically figure it out there
2: see this is the thing like 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 i have the samsung tv right now and it's got amazon prime on it it's got crave which is a service in canada it's got regular channel tvs and it's got my apple tv on it right and it would be nice if i could just say play jessica jones and not have to worry about where it's coming from wouldn't you think like can you can you just say play the beatles and and then Siri would decide between Apple Music and, and Spotify whichever was the more convenient one right like i'm like i'm sure you probably have to say play the beatles on spotify to siri right
0: right it explicitly says in the article that you have to do that
2: yeah you have to say it on on spotify yeah yeah, yeah. Hmm. cuz we have an yeah. iTunes radio too we listen to, to our regular radio stations on iTunes here uh, iTunes iTunes yeah iTunes app yeah. no sorry tune in radio tune in radio and um so we say like you know play you know cbc and it'll say oh playing cbc on tune in radio. You know, of course, I have no idea what Apple Apple Home device does, I may. I may
1: uh, do. the, the Home HomePod... Well, okay, so granted, I pay for Apple Music, so if, like odds are pretty good that any music I would ever want to listen to is on Apple Music. Yeah. Um, the the parallel I can think of is I don't have the um, Amazon Prime music. And so if I you know just say... Do okay, you have Amazon you know, Prime? Do you have Amazon Prime? Uh, it gets complicated because I'm in a Prime household, but I'm not the uh, the main Prime household member. right I'm like oh. in a subordinate... Um, User account, wow. so maybe the maybe the Prime account has it, but um, the, just for the, the sake of argument, let's pretend there's like reasons right here, right? Because it, it's I don't know the exact reasons, but it's, it practically breaks down like this. So I say, oh, you know, play, um you know, play some Prince music, and I say, okay, sorry, like you know, you don't have this available on Amazon Music, so we're playing um, this similar station from iHeartRadio, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's a pretty reasonable backup. It didn't just like womp womp, sucks to be you. We didn't have what you wanted. Um, I think the you know. Context is for kings here, where to your point, it it really should just play off of the most reasonable thing
2: seamlessly or
1: maybe ask you when you're first setting up, like, you know, what's your preferred method? You know, when you say you want me to play music, do you want me to use the HomePod? Do you want me to use the Apple TV? Uh, Or, you know, just pick one that's fairly reasonable given context, like, you know, where is my Apple watch in relation to these things? Because I'm probably if I'm wearing it right, like I'm probably closer to something that would be reasonable Um, or push something to the phone. It's like, cool. We're, you know, we're playing this, you know, Prince album on your HomePod. Do you like using that as your sort of main audio method, or do you want to use something different uh, for the next time? You know, I, I think there's more that could be added to this. You know, both more sort of you know, magic of like just just get out of my way, just just do something halfway reasonable, and also give me some sort of way to adjust when it turns out that yeah, you know what, I actually wanted to play um, in the laundry room because I'm going to be doing laundry. So even though I would mm-hmm. normally be you in the living room and listening, but in this case, I've got a focused task where I just want to move the audio over there.
2: Right. Right. Okay. Um, so, uh, well, yeah. So our next article here is, is uh, from... It's called Three Letter Acronym, Moving to Catalyst, and it's uh, from James Thompson. And he talks about uh, how he um, moved his uh, two apps. He's got PCALC, of course, and he's got uh, his new Dice Roller game that he's been uh, working with in various, various OSs. Uh talks about how um, it really was pretty much just click a checkbox to get uh, your iPad app running on the Mac OS. Um, he does say in, in the article that uh, it it's not, doesn't quite feel right as a Mac app goes. Um, he's a Mac developer as well as an iOS developer. But uh, it, he says it does do its thing. The whole app does work just like it does on the iPad. Popovers and all that kind of stuff uh, work. And uh, he tried his um, his little uh, Dice dice by PCalc app. Um, and uh, less in, it's a less involved app. Uh, but yeah, that was another one and um, it still functions fine, right? So and he says here he already shipped it in one day on day one. So they're not 100% happy with it, though, but yeah, it's uh, pretty straightforward. So if you're interested in the journey, you can have a look at the, how he uh, converted his apps to Catalyst.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious how this technology sort of plays out in the long term, whether it ends up being sort of just a, a bridging technology for the mm-hmm. short while um, as we ultimately all end up moving to Swift UI. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what that means in terms of you know dealing with the, the very strong platform differences, as he mentions here, you know, making something feel like a Mac app is different than making it feel like an iOS or, or iPadOS app. Um, right. I don't I don't know what will be fully involved with that, but I do I do sort of suspect that Catalyst will be um, similar to, to Carbon, where it's, you know, it's really important that it's there, um, but it's not going to be long-term the thing you're going to be using to um, sort of seamlessly be where you want to be across all of Apple's
2: platforms. Right, right. Yeah, I misspoke as title. It's actually catalytic converter which i guess is a fun too right <laughs> right <laughs> right um and lastly you've got the last article here i mean
1: yeah speaking of the barriers breaking down um the apple tv app is available for roku devices mm. and I, I checked i did not install it because i'm like well no point in doing that until you know i subscribe to apple tv plus um mm. uh, it, at least from the screenshots that it shows uh, on the preview for this new uh, app channel it looks to my eyes kind of a lot like the apple tv um, user interface, which is nice. It's nice to see them put the. Effort
0: I mean, do you on actually that. use Roku? I do. So we were just talking about this at lunch the other day, trying to understand why why do people still use Roku these days? So what what is what is the value proposition of it as opposed to any of the other services?
1: Yeah, that has changed over time. I think if people rewind way way back in the um, in the
0: history of this podcast, you'll
1: distinctly hear me say um, there are two areas that were big concerns for me. Sort of the minor one was a was I wasn't sure if Crunchyroll was available on the Apple TV at that time. I'm pretty sure it does now. I'm pretty sure I've heard people talk about uh, accessing uh, all their animes, the Japanimation stuff on uh, on the Apple TV. So that's mm-hmm. resolved as an issue. Uh, the other one was the big sticking point for me, which was Amazon Video when Apple was fighting Amazon for like a year or two. Um, it was around that time. I was like, well, I'm upgrading. Um, I absolutely need Amazon Video because it's you know part of my lifestyle. So Apple TV for my case lost out because I had everything I wanted on, uh, the Roku sort of, a, a, as a platform. And I specifically didn't need a, um, a place to, uh, do airplay, right. That just wasn't part of my, my home personal life. Um, nowadays, uh, with, you know, Amazon's video app available on Apple TV, I'd be hard struck to choose the Roku over the Apple TV. Um, Unless, you know, people really just had problems with uh, frustrations over the Apple TV UI, whether you're talking about, um, you know, the operating system UI or the remote UI. I, I do think the, the remote for the Roku is just brilliant. Like you can, in the dark, tell which orientation it's in and hit buttons without accidentally tapping the wrong thing. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, the, the short of it is like now I think it will be harder for the Roku to shine, except for the fact that it will just clearly always be cheaper than the Apple TV. Right. So cost as a consideration
2: okay? Interesting. Well, a lot of TVs come with Roku. Like, I bought a TV from my mother and it came with a Roku built in, so yeah. And I found I bought one at a garage sale for like five bucks a couple of months ago. Yeah, they're,
1: they're sort of the thing. uh like ultimate neutral party when it comes to this because they um they make their money in, in other ways, like you know, agreements to be on uh TV platforms and stuff. So,
2: mm. do you pay like per month for a subscription or is it free?
1: Um. Well, you you just buy the device itself, and they actually do have free content. There's the Roku channel that will have like yeah. old videos that I'm pretty sure are supported by um, advertisements, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just like that's all you have to pay for. Everything else is you know you, you know do you subscribe to Netflix? Do you subscribe to you know Apple TV Plus? And then you you know log in through your. Um, through your account, and I do believe that Roku is doing what a lot of these different companies like Apple and Amazon are doing, of like you know have your one account that you log into, and then you pay for other channels through them as an aggregator. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to, to folks. So it's, it's it's sort of going from sort of all different directions for them as to how they are they are making money. Um, they're doing pretty good, I think they're like twenty five to thirty percent of the market, from what I recall. Um,
0: mm-hmm. they, yeah, we we're make... kind of surprised to see their market cap was something like fifteen. Billion dollars, they're they're actually quite a large company.
1: Well, that, that's insane. Yeah, yeah. wow, yeah, it, it, it's it's a really good, quietly solid device. Um, they make uh, sticks like the Fire TV type stick. You know, that's like twenty, thirty dollars. Take it with you to like a hotel when you're traveling, sort of thing. They make uh, sort of different sort of hockey pucks of varying degrees of like how fancy do you want it, sort of thing. You know, do you want four K UHD or do you kind of want just sort of like a normal you know mid range box and then if, as Tim noted they also have the integrations into the um, smart TVs themselves, which is not something that I personally am super comfortable with, just given how long TVs tend to live and how yeah. <laughs> how short the life is of software. Like I'd rather just have a dumb monitor, so to speak, and a smart connected device connected. But you know, it's fine.
2: Yeah. Well, I also wondered too. Maybe it's maybe it's more popular overseas too, right? Is it an American company or
1: Roku? I believe is an American company um, as a despite its name. Name, being you know, Japanese in origin, um, the number six. It is something that spun out of Netflix when somebody there was like, "Hey, I really want
2: to make this streaming box."
0: Right, right. Yeah, they're located yeah. right around here. They have just built a big big new building.
2: Hmm. Interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, I guess we're at the pick portion of our show, so I got a couple of picks here to start off with. Uh, the first one is uh, called a Swift UI Kickstart. Again, coming back to the idea of Swift UI. Uh, this is written by Daniel Steinberg. Um, I stumbled across it because he, for his birthday, he was offering it at like a discounted price so I grabbed a copy of it. I'm about you know two-thirds, two-thirds of the way through it. What I really like about Daniel Steinberg's writing style is he has a way of writing and speaking and presenting that takes a lot of the mystery out of what, what uh, Apple's doing. Um, he seems to have sort of a uh, interesting um, perspective on where Apple's going with the stuff that they're doing. Um, if you've ever had a chance to see him speak in live speak live about something, that's sort of the gist of what he talks about because um, he reason, reason, reasons about out um, why thing, the way things work and, and where he thinks that the, that they're going in the future. Um, but I, I really like his style because it, it, it very clearly explains a lot of interesting things. Uh, concepts that may be a little harder to grasp at first, but uh, he kind of puts it uh, at ease. It's been a few weeks since I looked at the book, but uh, there were a couple of examples I remember that stood out and I hadn't thought about it that way and it was a really interesting read. So I recommend the UI Kickstart, Quick UI Kickstart by Daniel Steinberg, first of all. And my second pick is uh, basically Move the Dial is a program that's started here, I think, in in Canada. Um, I'll I'll put a link in the show notes to the lady who started it. But uh, it's about um, women in technology, a movement um, to try and get uh, more uh, women in higher positions in corporations and companies, and as well women in technology. Um, And it's surprising when you look at the, like, if you look at uh, from from zero to 100 in terms of the dial, um, how far or what percentage of women are in high tech positions or in tech positions in general, it's around nine percent. And so, if you're out there and you're either you know of the if you identify as a woman or you're a male and you uh, fancy yourself as a mentor, someone who's willing to help, this the uh, the movement. Um, the, as her point their point in one of her videos I saw the other day, uh, said that um, the dial doesn't move by itself. So uh, it's going to take a lot of effort to get uh, get that dial to move way beyond where it is, a surprisingly low number. No, so, and they had a they, I was at a talk the other day at uh, the company where we had the um, head of marketing from Uber Canada was there talking about her her role. Um, you know, previously at Oracle and, and working around and a few people, that, a few executives here at TD uh, Bank that were presenting, and um, one from Accenture. So yeah, interesting stuff. So um, yeah, definitely definitely check out Move to Dial if you're in that if you're supportive of women in technology. And so over to you, Mark. You got something for us? Yeah.
0: So one thing that that uh, all of us as, as iOS developers have have to do or have done in the past is is upload builds to App Store connect which is the you know the current name for what used to be called iTunes connect uh, mm-hmm. and uh, there used to be uh, well one way to do it is is just through the organizer and Xcode but but sometimes if you use say something like Jenkins and it generates builds you have to upload an IPA file up to up to the uh, App Store connect and there used to be a tool called application loader uh, mm-hmm. that was part of Xcode but it's as of Xcode 11 it, it is no longer shipped with with Xcode right so for a little while there it looked like the only solution was to use the command line tools, uh, XC tool, uh, it's uh, AL something, you know, and, and a bunch yeah. of frames. Uh, but just uh, this week, I think, uh, Apple released a, a new tool to the Mac App Store. I think it was actually available on the developer site, but it wasn't well advertised. But it's now available on the Mac App Store. So you can just download it called Transporter, which really does exactly the same thing. Uh, it's, a sta- it's a standalone app on your, that runs on your Mac and very simple to use. You just drag and drop your IPAs Directly in and hit deliver and it just uploads them and and gives you uh, status reports uh, uh, as to what's going on and and uh, of course it'll tell you if there's errors uh, when when they're when those come up and just kind of a nice convenient thing if you if you don't like uh, typing in the command line and and uh, want to have a nice GUI to upload your IPAs it's Apple's now providing a solution
2: again. Yeah, we did talk about this a little bit in um, around WWDC because I went to the What's New in the App Store uh, talk uh-huh. and they, they mentioned I, I completely. Forgot about it myself because you know we, we, were, we were scratching our heads at work a couple of weeks ago about the same issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, but I, I did make some notes. I remember we talked about it on around our time over our thing because it was a few things that changed on the App Store um, recently. Like there's, I think we talked about new new debugging uh, capabilities like that. New statistics are available through this. Of course, I'm trying to look for my notes all day since you posted this. Try and find some information about it. But uh, yeah, we did talk about it on that episode. But and they did talk about this new transporter app. I wasn't sure when it was. Coming out, or yeah. and I completely forgot about it. It's been like you know a few months yeah. since I was at WWC. So yeah, yeah so that was uh, that's cool. Yeah. Can you, uh, by the way, just as a bit of follow up, if you are if you are looking at if you're still using the you can still use the app um, app loader application loader what it was application called, you know? loader
0: I think it's called
2: yeah you can still yeah. use it and and in fact you know if you if you if you go into the um, if you go into an older copy of Xcode like Xcode 10 and you hit show package contents you can actually go in and find the applications that are built in and you can drag out the, the app and and have it run as a standalone if you want mm. to get rid of your Xcode. And make a copy that. of
0: it before you update uh, Xcode. Yeah and, yeah, and
2: so what I heard was that um, um, uh, it will work for a couple more versions. You know, it'll work with 11. It'll work with a few, few ones coming up. But, yeah, eventually it's going to stop working altogether. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're not updating through the App Store, are you, Mark? Or are you using downloads, like the download center on um, developer account? Uh,
0: sorry, what are you asking?
2: Well, because I never, I, I don't update my, my Xcode through the App Store because I need to have more than one version version at a time on my Mac? Oh, no, I do it through the App Store. Do you? Yep. What about you, Jaime? Um, Just the App
1: Store, I think. Well, at no, least. wait. I guess it varies. But yeah, it, it predominantly App Store for stuff.
2: Yeah? yeah. Hmm. I don't know. About, I've, I've had some bad experiences earlier on with, with Xcode on the App Store, so I just I got out of the cycle of downloading it. So I guess our, our fans can let us know through with the hashtag AskMTJC whether you prefer to use the Mac App Store version of Xcode or you download it from the developer site. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think
1: what was coming to my mind is um, I do tend to do like the gm's gm builds through you know like developer apple.com yeah. uh, betas of course um and then on a rare occasion it'd be like oh we're actually not ready to move forward to the app store to the yeah. uh, the latest like xco all right kind of have to go delete the app store version now <laughs> And, and install the other one or you know just sort of try to make life easier so i don't accidentally update and it's like oh damn it now i got to go remove it again sort of thing
2: yeah i changed the name of the app, of the app so that i can have more than one version like i always have one xcode version that i run but but occasionally i'll have i'll have the older version for patches and things like that that i need to do yeah does sometimes that sometimes like, does that
1: work with the app store version like can you go rename that without bad things happening i've never tried can. that i've, I've done probably it with can. The, it's,
2: just, it's just an app the app store is just a the mac app store is just a delivery mechanism the problem with Mac App Store, though, is if you have 10 on your machine, like 1021, and you hit that update button, right, it's going to clobber the one that's in, it's going to clobber the one you have named Xcode in your in your application directory and replace it with the latest version, right? So, right. you can rename yeah. it and then go to the App Store and download it and it'll, it, the Mac App Store, and it'll it it'll, it'll untouch, the, it won't touch the other one as well, right? I've done that before. But I got away from using the Mac App Store for Xcode a long time ago. The build machines, the Jenkins machine that Mark just mentioned, has to have the, the same version of Xcode that you're building with, right? So, depending what you're working with, so that can be that can be problematic updating updating those all at once, right? All right. So Jaime, do you have a pick?
1: I do. It's a YouTube video of um, friend of the show Rob Whitaker, talking about accessibility. Uh, is apparently one that he presented at the Southwest Mobile Meetup Group, which is in Bristol, in the United Kingdom. For those of you wondering, that is close to Bath, uh, which is near and dear to my heart because of the Canterbury Tales, uh, and also not that far away from a place that I'm going to call, regardless of what people tell me. Uh, I'm going to call it Tauntaun because of Star Wars. Uh, it looks like Taunton is probably how you pronounce that, but uh, I
0: think Taunton I'm going to go with pronunciation. What's that? I think Taunton is the is correct or more correct pronunciation.
1: I'm sure it is, but unlike yeah. the other sauce that shall not be named, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with Tauntaun <laughs> because it amuses me more. I'm actively getting it wrong. Right. I apologize for all of yeah. our fans in Taunton. You
0: rebel, you, I Jaime. Mean. <laughs>
1: um, uh, but in all seriousness, I, I think this is kind of similar. Or it might even be exactly the same talk that he has given at um, either iOS WK UK or uh, Code Mobile, because uh, I met Rob uh, at, at both of those uh, both of those conferences. Uh, I think one of them was not recorded. So if it was this one, like, hooray! Now you've gotten a chance to see it. it it's a really good take on um, sort of what it means for things to be accessible. Uh, it's more than just uh, voiceover, I think as he says there, and it's, uh, it's kind of in vain with what we were talking about with the, the Domino's case. It, it some Somewhere in here, I guess spoilers. Sorry to, to steal the thunder. Thinking about it is not um, adding accessibility, but really removing barriers. Sort of right. changes the whole mindset about this.
2: Yeah, So not just about visual impairment. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And and uh, you know, something I hadn't really uh, thought about for myself. I'm like, you know, I don't ordinarily uh, think of myself as uh, having a disability, right? I think
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm like, well, oh, you know. you're young. <laughs> so there's that, right? There is the like, uh, and rub mentioned here. Like, eventually, we will all have some disability right it's just a matter of time Um, but even now i'm like wait but i i use contact lens corrective lenses right uh contact Mm -hmm. lenses or eyeglasses i'm like that's a straight up disability right if i don't have those things with me uh i cannot see clearly beyond a certain distance and it's it's weird to think how that's just sort of normalized as not being a disability um so i I think this is a good talk it's like 30-ish minutes and watch it during lunchtime it's entertaining and i think you'll You'll, you'll learn something from this, uh, and certainly get a, a really good perspective on things. I think.
2: Cool. Looking forward to that. So I do have one more pick, and um, not quite not quite as stealthy as Greg, but I just put it, I honored my system and just put it in order that, that I posted the we post the articles. This one is uh, just came out today. is uh, essential or a couple of days ago. I guess, essential Xcode shortcuts for more efficient coding uh, by Pierre Freeze, and um, interesting stuff. Uh, talks about different uh, things we talked about before in the past. We've talked about the command shift J keyboard command which is one of my favorite keyboard commands uh, that's the one where if you do if you find uh, if you do a search and you find a line of code and you want to see what file that's in you can hit command shift J and it'll open up um, there's one here for completion I use the escape key when I'm in the middle of something and I want to see what the variable things for um, code completion are I'll hit the escape key yeah that's what I and do those up and, and then but the, apparently if you hit the this looks like a, uh, is that the option key plus space let's go up to the legend control and space apparently we'll we'll also do that um, uh, code completion, or bring up the code completion pop-up for you. Um, moving lines, you know, moving up and down, um, indenting, um, Apple D. I didn't know that deletes an entire line, which is nice. Um, uh, commenting lines. I think we all know the, the command slash, uh, command will, um, uh, comment out lines or block of text if you've got it selected. Um, the commands for indenting, going back and forth and around and navigating around on the keyboard. Um, finding the call hierarchy. I thought was an interesting one too. This is, uh, shift, control, Apple and H. Um, and so, if you're in if you're if you hit a, a method or a function and you want to find out where that where where it's being utilized in the in the call hierarchy, you can hit that key command combination, which was Shift Control Apple. Or sorry, I said Apple again, didn't I? Shift Control Command and H. By the way, I, for those of you who are who don't who are too young to know, but the Apple key used to be on the command key, which is why also old folks call it the Apple key. Um, but yeah, it'll show you the whole call hierarchy, call hierarchy, so you can see where if, if you're thinking about making a change. To your app, how, how big a change it's going to be, or even if, even if you're trying to trace how something how you get from one point to another in your app, if you're looking at a large code base, that's kind of handy. You guys probably know Control uh, uh, Command and O to do a uh, quick open to open get the quick open menu come up. Um, that's a big, big popular one at uh, at my office. Um, yeah, so it's uh, interesting thing. And then of course you know the mini map is the new thing in Xcode uh, Xcode 11 where you can scroll over the mini map and have things pop up. And if you hold the Command key down, uh, it'll pop up all of the various methods and Markers that you have in your, your mini map, and you can jump around. So, interesting stuff toggling views on and off, things you may not think about. There, somewhere I have an Xcode uh, cheat sheet as well, which probably needs to be updated for Xcode 11. That's cool, right?
1: Yeah, I, I think these things can be a little overwhelming to try to learn. I would say don't try to learn them all at once. Yeah, one or just two. Spend yeah. Spend like a couple days just repeatedly using one until you sort of don't even remember what it is. And somebody asks you, What's that key command? Like, uh, I don't know. Let me try doing it and then see where yeah. my fingers are. Right? It just becomes a muscle. Like, uh, as you mentioned, the shift command O to do the quick open mm-hmm, combined mm-hmm. with the shift command J, I want to say it is, to, you know, quick open a file and say, where the heck is this thing in the hierarchy in the file system? Right, yeah. And then it will show you on the project navigator. Like, it will go right there. Like, that is super useful, uh, especially when you are brand new to a code base. And you're like, how do I right. even, where is this thing? Yeah, how do I even, that's a good question. Yeah, how yeah. do I even, <laughs> you're just like, oh, gosh, what is going on here? This isn't built in way shape or form similar to where I was before, and now you're like, well, just sort of poking around. And the the call hierarchy one is also a pretty good one if you're going into that level of the code. Yeah, I like that one. I I will say the one that um, I like a lot, but then hate when Xcode bugs out, and that's the comment and uncomment lines. Because inevitably what has happened is I have commented out a whole bunch of lines, and then it just decides not to listen to that keyboard shortcut anymore. I'm like, oh no. Oh, really? No, I have to restart Xcode, damn it. What? (laughs) Have you never had this happen? Even before it was like I don't know if it's prevalent in 11 it, maybe they fixed it but in 10 it was just like source kit or something would just hmm. die and refuse to, to do what I wanted to do
2: yeah I, I don't have that problem like I said earlier in the show my problem is the uh, is the connection to Git gets lost right my favorite command though is to hold the option key down and click on a click on any file in the in the project navigator and it'll open it side by side with the current page you have open side by side editor if you're oh, that's nice read. I don't know about
1: that one yeah is it yeah, I about uh, that one option yeah, I command or option Option, command and shift. You just hold two.
2: Option key down and then click, click on, like, pick on it, like, open a file in in the standard editor, which is the single editor, and then you hold the Option key down and click on another file in the project navigator, and it'll open it in the right hand pane.
1: Right. Uh,
2: something so I do, I do a quick comparison. Right.
1: Something I do in addition to that is, and I, I don't know if it's Option command or Shift Option command, um, but doing the same sort of thing, and then it will give you an op, a set of options of like, do you want to replace the right hand pane? Do you want to open another one? Right, yeah. Underneath it, do you want to open a tab? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's pretty useful when I'm trying to set up a, a workspace for like working on a set of related files.
2: Yeah, and, uh, and then, think, of course you can you can also hold the Option key down and or is it sorry Command key Option key and click on a, a property and or an object in in the um, in your code. And it'll tell you what type it is. We've seen that one.
1: Oh yeah 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 that that definitely makes sense because you would be using it in Swift where you're like what is this thing?
2: Yeah, it'll tell it's, you whether it's an optional or whatever, right? Which is nice, you know. The dreaded optional option. I was like, oh no. I mean, you can't tell from the word what, what type it is, you know, unless you go back and look at the, where you declared it, right? Right.
1: Yeah. And that's sort of the,
2: now, will it, will it
0: work if you, if you tap on like a dollar sign zero inside a closure, will it tell you what type that
2: is? Oh, I have no idea. That's an interesting one. That would be an interesting thing. one. That would be a useful thing. That is so abstracted, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But as I'm saying, it's like the other side of the terseness that you, you sort of need the, the editor to help you fully understand what's happening in yeah. code. right? You, yeah. We're writing less of it, you know, for sure, compared to like Objective C. Yeah. Uh, but with Objective C, like it was like, what type is like, it? like, bro, it's either in the name or you can see the the declaration right there. Mm-hmm. Versus, you know, let foo. I was like, cool. What is foo? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Depends on what the assignment statement, you know, resolved to.
0: Clearly, it's of type bar, right? Right. Well, the one thing that Xcode could do to improve my productivity by productivity by a thousand percent is to fix the damn breakpoints.
2: Yeah. So so it's it's, it's, it's funny single since you said that, it's been really slow on, yeah. on Xcode 10 for me on 10, and, not, not on 11. Oh,
0: right? yeah, 11's worse. Yeah. I heard you guys
2: talking about
1: is
0: this is slow breakpoints, ridiculously slow breakpoints.
2: Yeah, put a breakpoint in your code, run it, and then and you'll see that it'll hit the breakpoint and it'll take in in the the property uh, debugger at the bottom will take forever to yeah. render what you'll there. see a
0: spinner in the property uh, console window. Yeah, and then it'll it'll take like literally 30 seconds or a minute, and then every time you single step, it also does that. And and then when you hit start, sometimes it takes a long time to start up again, too. It's, yeah. it's crazy. Not start, but the go button. You know I mean? Yeah, does it's it, really, uh, really awful.
1: Does it also, just as a point of clarification, does it also act slow if you have the uh, continue evaluation yes. after hitting this breakpoint thing?
0: Uh, not as slow, but those have always been slow, unfortunately. they're almost they're, It's mm. such a useful concept, and it could be so amazing if it actually worked reasonably well, but but they're so slow. They slow your code down so much, even before all these mm-hmm. problems unfortunately they're just almost not even useful it's really too bad
1: really I I, I never noticed any problems with them uh, prior like I would really? use them to oh. to do like print statements instead of actually adding print statements yeah, to yeah. to the code or uh, making sounds if it hit a certain scenario yeah like you know like the sosumi sound or the interesting the yeah, yeah I've
0: always had timing issues with them really a shame
1: I definitely haven't done it on anything that I would notice timing issues oh, okay like like high performance type stuff yeah, yeah it was more like you know did this delegate to get called, you know, did, is this variable um, after the 50th iteration, is it 20? You right. Know, that sort of thing. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Maybe that's what it's meant for, I suppose.
1: I mean, it's not good that it's apparently taking a long amount of time to render useful information. Like it's warming up a huge, you know, debugging system. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, I hate to say it, but it's almost useless now because it's so slow. <laughs> it's faster to go in and put in print statements and do another build. Really? Sometimes. Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, depends how long your build takes, I suppose.
2: Caveman debugging. Yeah. I'm still trying to look from last week what that area down there. I am pretty sure it was called a variable debugger, a property debugger. I can't find any uh, reference to it. All right. Anyway, I guess that's it for another week, hey, Jaime? So if people want to find you, where would they look?
1: I'm on Twitter as at devwiththehair. All
2: right. And Mark, if you want to get in touch
0: with you. Mark Rar at smopsoft.com.
2: All right. As I say every week, my name is Dimitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. So until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: This is friend of the show Mac and Talk, also known as The Talking Moose, eh? If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or
0: follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at a t slash mtjc you can find details on how to help us out
1: on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us now stick around for the after show thanks for listening and we'll see you next time
0: It's over, so my App Store Connect problems continue. This whole time <laughs> I've been watching. So my build went into processing. Yeah. Before the show started, mm-hmm. and it's still in processing.
2: From Apple. Yeah.
0: What? Yep. This is an
2: hour and
1: a half. It should only take like twenty-ish minutes. It's been two
0: and a half hours since I will put it in. I know.
1: Oh man. Yeah.
0: I know. I've been having all wow. sorts of problems all day. I guess I got have to upload a new build, but that's
2: yeah. you got trouble right here in River City. Yeah. That is annoying. Yes. I want to know where all my free space went. That's what I wanted to know.
1: <laughs> hmm. In my head, I'm thinking back to talking about the Taylor Swift stuff. All those tw- Taylor Swift searches <laughs> filling up your hard drive.
2: Oh, hey! So here, here's your real time follow up. Remember, I said last week I was working on that movie, right, um, for SpotCast. So I just I just went to do a, a search on my drive. To see, like I I run um, uh, calculate folder sizes all the time on my drive. So I'm looking at movies is 89 gigabytes. All of a sudden, what the heck is in there? So 44 41 gigabytes is just the the rendered files from the Spotca- SpotCast. Um, um, video. So well, that can all go in the trash. Interesting stuff. Like that's so there's a, a perfect example of, of cache that I can see that's being used up here. Why can't I get into this file?
1: Does okay. it um does it go away like when you reboot? Like how how hosed does this caching problem
2: Well in the case of in the case of it's all temporary files that, that um um uh, final cut pro makes to, to edit, right? So and it's not stuff I need. Like I'm not gonna redo this again. Like there's original file, there's rendered file, shared items transcoded media, like because it renders it, right? So. This is why Toy Story 4 took so long, by the way.
1: It's true. That's why there's enough stories of like, oh no, like they almost lost the digital files for, I think Toy Story might have been one of them, mm-hmm. um, except for some random artist or engineer decided they needed a whole copy to do stuff at home, and so they were able to piece it together from what they had there.
2: Yeah, I just found a folder here called um, Rendered Files, right? 85GB of rendered files for this, for this you know, one-and-a-half-hour movie. What the heck? Like quality media. Well, what do I need this for? Can I just toss it? This is like the, the application support stuff in, um, in uh, um, for Xcode, right, with all the, the developer, all the different simulators and stuff? Take up a ton, a ton of space? Mm-hmm. I used to have some Xcode pro- or, sorry, Final Cut projects in here, so I bet you that was taking up a ton of space on my, ma- on my machines, too. Interesting. So how do I get rid of this guy? I have to go to the web and ask. Hmm. Maybe it's called Final Cut Pro because it's the last app you'll be able to use on your Mac. <laughs>
0: Or is it because after you use it, you you uh, have the nerve to make the final cut.
2: Mm. <laughs>
0: there's a reference in there that you have to get. Tim got it. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you get it?
1: I mean, it have gotten in the same way. I was thinking of it as like a Final Cut Pro gag, but maybe it has a different layer.
0: Yeah, no, there's a Pink Floyd song about the Final Cut. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I didn't it's get it's that. Su- no. It's basically about suicide. And the lyric is, I never had the nerve to make the final cut. Uh, but as I was saying, after using Final Cut Pro, you'll have the nerve to make the final cut. <laughs> <laughs> That's so dark. That <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty dark, I know. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) Maybe take that out of the show, Tim. But after dealing with App Store Connect, you know. (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. Ready for the final conversation? Yeah, maybe so. The thing
1: that drives being bananas about, you know, iTunes Connect and now I guess App Store Connect is it seems like it's all driven off of some weird batch file system that like if it didn't pick up whatever sentinel file it was supposed to pick up, Mm -hmm. it just dies. Yeah. Just stays there and it doesn't do anything. There's no um self healing monitoring sort of thing that I can ever tell happens. It's like if it got stuck and it's been twenty minutes of like, guess what? It's stuck. Like it will never come back till death of the universe.
0: With the processing issue that I'm having now, as soon as you upload another build, they'll both get pushed through. Guaranteed. I've seen this a, a lot of times. Yeah, so now you'll have two builds that are exactly the same. There. Uh. Because it's like you're doing something. for triggers it to go through somehow. It's just a game of sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> a slight change of topic is it uh, should I go see Dweezil Zappa playing Hot Rats
2: live you know um, yeah I, I kind of I'm kind of asking myself the same question I'm, you know it, Hot Rats is not one of my favorite albums but but it's got a couple of really good songs on it it's got uh, Peaches and Regalia and Willie the Pimp right yeah. um, but he's playing I think it's like eight, six songs or eight songs they're all mostly instrumentals from from that it's from that early seventy mid 70s uh, time right mm-hmm. so it's it's good stuff and it's all jazzy you know kind of stuff and then, then it's does a few other songs. You can, if you look at the set list, it's not a great set list in my opinion. But yeah, 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 Um Because yeah, he's he's just announced another a bunch of tour dates, right? Right. I think you're one. Yeah, you're going there's to one right around here. Yeah, because because yeah, he's playing at the Phoenix Concert Theater here, which is where I saw him last time, and it, and that's a good theater. It's a small club, and and it's, there's no seating. It's just standing room only or general admission, I guess. Um, and that's that's it's a really you know because it's really intimate. You can get it right up front and that kind of stuff, right? So I'm I'm kind of debating. My sister is a big Zappa fan, and we went and saw him play last time he was here so it's good he's got a good band right now so. mm, yeah. I'd, I'd go see me well you saw him with this with the hendrix thing. yeah I don't but how was that it,
0: it was good but you know he doesn't play as any of his own stuff and well not that yeah. not that it's his own stuff this time too but and yeah. but and it's but it's part of an ensemble where he's only playing a few songs yeah uh, with other people so sure, it's sure. not really seeing him
2: well, and, if you go to my youtube channel i've posted a few um videos i made of him playing at the phoenix last time he was there right a couple of songs i really like and um i gotta say though you know, it's great that he's doing his dad's music and it does sound a lot like his dad's music, but he, and he did spend a couple of years trying to learn how to play like his dad, but he's, he doesn't play like his dad. Right. 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 Like he doesn't have, Zappa had a sort of real punchy, he calls it sort of a chicken, like a chicken eating seed kind of style. Right. That's how That explains it. But if you watch him play and you listen to him play, it's, he hasn't got the same fluidity that, that Zappa had, Frank Zappa had. Right. Uh-huh. So yeah, I kind of, cause I've, I haven't gone back and watched the videos I made of, him you know at the time when you're watching him play it's really impressive but when you go back and look at it and see it again you can definitely see it's not he's not emulating his dad he's playing his dad's music which right. is slightly different. Right, right. Yeah. The band the band he puts together is really tight. I mean like they're amazing musicians, right? Have you have you ever seen Zappa Dweezel Zappa play anything other than Hendrix? No, no I haven't yeah I mean if you're if you're into Zappa at all I would I would definitely recommend you go see, see him at least once right mm-hmm. I've seen him like a hundred times yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I've seen him like eight or nine times and I went and had a he did a, a guitar workshop and i went to i went to that one oh day. you did oh, okay
0: yeah so you can play like zappa now too
2: no i can play like <laughs> weasel <laughs> actually no i can't play like weasel because weasel's a, a um a van halen fan right so hmm. yeah so he plays like he plays like uh his 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 shtick is to play that sort of you know pick, you know hammering up the up the fingerboard and all that kind of stuff right So and the fast you know shr- i would call it shredding right right so, right that's his that's his his particular style huh.
0: So I saw Bob Dylan on Monday night. Yeah, how was that? It was really good. You know, you got—I mean, you got to know what you're in for, right, with Dylan. Yeah, you've seen him. Have you seen him live, Tim?
2: I haven't, but I've seen him. I've seen him play on on video and stuff like that. And I heard somebody say the other day, people either love him or hate him. Right.
0: If you if you don't know what to expect, and you're expecting, you know, a guy with a acoustic guitar playing "Blowing in the Wind," then Mm -hmm. you're probably not going to be happy, right? Uh, Because it's
2: that's not that guy. Not that guy
0: anymore. Yeah. 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 I mean, his voice is pretty rough. Yeah. And um, you know, he kind of. He, he plays a little guitar, he plays a little piano, he plays a little harmonica, but he's mostly just kind of standing up there singing. Yeah. And he's not, you know, he's not the greatest singer in the world, yeah. but you know, if you're listening to the lyrics and if you can make out the lyrics.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's that, yeah. that's what I mean. I, yeah. I've seen him play, I've seen him live and there was a tribute concert where a whole bunch of people came and sang his stuff and then oh, he, yeah. he got up and sang and you could not tell what he was singing.
0: Well, and that was like 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So he's gotten worse.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, worse in terms of, you know, harder to understand. Yeah. Yeah. and. And also, he you know he's always been known for changing the arrangements of his songs
1: mm-hmm.
0: at a moment's notice. So he'll be playing something, and you won't recognize it because you can't really understand the words, and the music is unfamiliar. And then you'll realize it, that it's a song that it's a song you've known for forty years. Mm-hmm. Like uh, they, like you did that with "It Ain't Me, Babe," you know, yeah. very well-known song. Yeah, uh, could barely could barely recognize it until right. until like the, the chorus kicked in. Mm. Yeah, but it was still it was still a really good show. You know, it's it's, uh, yeah. it's I'm definitely glad I went. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So I just deleted 85 gigs of data off my drive, and my drive still says 32 gig, 30 gigs available. Uh-huh. I literally just removed it. So like, I, do, I don't understand what's going on with this finder. Yeah. Been busted for months. <clears throat> yeah.
0: All right, guys. I think I got to go on because I got to deal with this stupid build. Um,
2: yeah. All right. All right. I'll we'll talk to talk you, to you later. later. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Have fun. Thanks.
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.